UNESCO podcast. My name is Mathieu Gevel. I work in the Division of Public Information at UNESCO. And today in this UNESCO podcast, we will discuss the key role culture and heritage play in urban recovery and reconstruction, especially following conflicts, disaster and urban crisis. We have the pleasure to have with us uh, Mr. Sameh Waba from the World Bank. It's an honor to have you here, Sameh. Uh, you are Director of Urban and Rural Development, Resilience and Risk Management at the World Bank. And uh, my first question is, Why is the World Bank so keen on investing on culture and heritage in urban reconstruction recovery situations? Um, thank you, Mathieu. Uh, for us at the World Bank, the increasing impact of uh, the urbanization process in terms of uh, welcoming you know, 75 million new additional people to cities every year, compounded by the impacts of uh, climate change and the increasing magnitude of disasters, which are causing some $300 billion worth of annual losses around 2030, and then the impacts of conflict, which is bringing something like 60-some million internally displaced persons every year, many of which go to cities, are the three forces that are uh, shaping the world we live in today, so urbanization, conflict, and climate. Therefore, uh, post-disaster and post-conflict reconstruction and recovery have become uh, much more significant endeavors than they've ever been. Um, I mean, if you imagine the rebuilding process in Iraq in the liberated areas or in, um, you know, Haiti post-earthquake or in Aceh after the tsunami, these are major, major endeavors. Now, we know how to build back better, you know, so the whole reconstruction process, and we know how to do economic livelihoods and ensuring that uh, people who have been affected have the means to restore their livelihoods through labor-intensive public works, through cash for works, and other cash transfer processes. But what's really missing is how culture brings those two ingredients together so that your people-based strategies and your place-based strategies are integrated in one overall framework. And this is the role that culture brings and that ensures that identity is at the underpinning of this uh, reconstruction and recovery process. And that's because conflicts and uh, disasters cause major traumas in communities. They destroy social fabrics, they destroy buildings, assets, livelihoods, and uh, you know social capital. So in order to be able to rebuild uh, these cities, it's critical that you also rebuild and re-knit the communities together. And this process of integrating the rebuilding of cities and communities together is has as its foundation uh, culture. So that's why it's critical for us to ensure that we have a framework that underpins the role of culture in post-disaster, post-conflict, city reconstruction and recovery. The World Bank and UNESCO have been working together in this regard for several years. This cooperation has been strengthened in uh, July uh, last year. Could you tell us more about this uh, cooperation and especially what's what's the interest? What are the benefits for the World Bank to enter in a partnership and to work with UNESCO? So in July of 2017, uh, we signed an MOU that reaffirmed a strong partnership between the World Bank and UNESCO and which developed a, um, an action plan and a scope of work in going forward. And it was really trying to scale up the excellent collaboration that we have uh, with UNESCO, uh, specifically in the culture sector, uh, with its two underpinnings of cultural heritage 
and uh, the creative industries. So in this regard, uh, there are three main uh, priorities that have emerged. One is to continue scaling up our operational work together. We're already working uh, with UNESCO um, and involving them with their expertise in about 15 to 20 World Bank projects related to cultural heritage uh, worldwide. We also have uh, been uh, deepening our uh, engagement at a strategic level, and this includes uh, the current uh, white paper that our two institutions are formulating together on the role of culture in uh, post-conflict, post-disaster city reconstruction and recovery. And then the third pillar is uh, knowledge exchange um, in, again, in a very operational setting, and that's the technical deep dives that we organize together, conferences and other events, which are really meant to ensure that we bring um, our clients and partners in close proximity, and we use the event not only for knowledge sharing, but for deepening uh, the operational work. The scope of this partnership covers urban development, uh, sustainable urban development, uh, resilience, uh, specifically the resilient cultural heritage and the creative industries. Maybe could you tell us more about a specific project we, we lead together so that everyone can understand concretely how culture, heritage, cultural diversity can really foster this uh, issue you mentioned on the recovery, reconstruction, resilience? So the operational work that we do together, which currently we have about 15 to 20 uh, different engagements at various uh, levels of execution, usually involve a World Bank project with a given country. Um, that includes anything from uh, cultural heritage, sustainable tourism, uh, municipal infrastructure, and in which UNESCO's expertise is sought by the government within the scope of this financing to bring its expertise in cultural heritage with a technical assistance to the government, helping them shaping the policies for cultural heritage preservation and valorization, helping them do site management plans uh, and institutional and regulatory framework to make sure that they really valorize their cultural heritage, preserve it and use it in a way that enhances livelihoods for the communities. Now, what's really great in this partnership that we have and which spans places like uh, China, Armenia, uh, Georgia, uh, Haiti and many other places, what's really great is that we bring the strength of these two institutions, you know, UNESCO in terms of the valorization of cultural heritage, but also with its work on creative industries, which is we're trying to scale up more, to use it as an underpinning for local economic development. And on the World Bank side, you bring the dimensions of the financing, but also the ability to implement large-scale projects that are meant to uh, reduce uh, and alleviate poverty and bring about shared prosperity for the poorest. So in a place, for instance, like India, in the vicinity of the Taj Mahal, the World Bank has a sustainable tourism project in which we're working on together. And it ensures that living conditions in the areas, which are very poor areas around the Taj Mahal, are being improved and the population uh, that lives in them has you know their skills development their small and micro enterprise uh, supported and improved so that they can benefit from the influx of tourists to this uh, very important site which is the Taj Mahal but where historically very little revenue or benefits were derived from the communities as a result of this world heritage asset. On the contrary, they were paying you know, the price in terms of the congestion, the pollution, 
that arises instead of gaining the benefits. So how do you translate that into benefits is the type of work that um, the World Bank finances and where UNESCO's expertise is uh, mobilized. It's true that today half of the human population lives in the city. By 2050, it will be two-thirds, and uh, more and more and more people are, are fleeing disasters and conflicts and rushing into, into cities. It's true that in these issues of uh, post-conflict recovery, disasters, urban crisis, people think immediately about issues of housing, transportation, food security, water security, and culture does not come always in the, in the, in the first place, or people do not think or policy and uh, governments do not put culture on the on the on the first uh, first place. You mentioned the, the white paper that UNESCO and the World Bank are working on together. Could you tell us more about this paper, the guidelines it seeks to it seeks to foster and publish? I think the main objective of the paper was really to uh, bring our two teams to work closer together and to leverage the strength of each team. So for the World Bank teams, as I mentioned, um, the emphasis on building back better on the physical reconstruction of the devastated infrastructure and urban fabric does happen. But how do you integrate culture and a people-based approach at the heart of it to ensure that people are consulted and participate in the decision-making process, that they can then um, own the investment and operate it and maintain it and therefore ensure a sustainable outcome is critical. On the other hand, in people-based strategies where you're going to do cash for works and give money for community members, you know, against uh, work so that they can have some income in a post-crisis setting, to the extent that you can use that to rebuild the traditional crafts, you know, to develop artisans, small and micro enterprises that can bring the creative industries to underpin this development process, that you bring a sense of place and a sense of identity at the heart of this economic livelihood process is critical. So that's in many ways the framework. But the great element of this cross-fertilization is that uh, you get to UNESCO staff that are leading this work on the ground to better understand you know, how those reconstruction and recovery processes happen on the ground by working with an institution like the World Bank that finances and oversees the implementation of billions of dollars of reconstruction and recovery. How do you finance this reconstruction and recovery? How do you ensure that culture underpins this development process becomes beneficial? And on the other hand, by bringing you know, this emphasis on culture, on cultural heritage, on the creative industries to underpin this reconstruction and recovery processes uh, where there has been this traditional separation of, if you will, the physical or the or the place-based strategies from the people-based strategies is a benefit uh, that accrues uh, to the World Bank. So I think this is what the white paper is trying to achieve. It's trying to bring our teams to work closer together and to create a whole that's much more than the sum of its parts. Let's take a concrete example of the city of Mosul uh, that is... Uh Uh, that has suffered uh, extreme uh, violent uh, conflict. Twenty uh, thousand uh, buildings of uh, the whole city of Mosul have been uh, damaged. Uh, more than half of the western part of the whole city has been um, destroyed. UNESCO Director General Madame Audrey Azoulay has launched a flagship initiative to revive the spirit of Mosul. And recently, the United Arab Emirates, UNESCO, and Iraq signed a historic partnership, $50 million, to rebuild Al-Nuri Mosque and the Al-Adba Minaret. In your view, 
how does this emphasis put on culture and heritage can indeed help revive the spirit of Mosul and why is this important to focus on this cultural aspect in this recovery endeavor? So if you take the famous case of the Mostar Bridge in Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, again, a community that was devastated by conflict and where this iconic bridge uh, was demolished, when the communities were approached to identify how they wanted to prioritize the reconstruction and the recovery process, they did not actually choose housing, for instance, their own houses as the most critical element for reconstruction and recovery. They actually chose the Mostar Bridge. And that bridge has multiple um, meanings for the community. One, it's an icon. It's essential for their identity. Two, it's essential for you know mobility and access to jobs, but also it reunites communities and bridges the gap between traditionally warring communities and creates an avenue for this you know reconciliation. So the identification of a critical monument or a piece of maybe non-monumental but significant uh, cultural icon for society as being one of the uh, first catalysts for the reconstruction recovery process becomes critical for helping basically revive the spirit of the place and uh, ensure that you know identity is reconstructed because it's not enough to rebuild the devastated infrastructure and physical assets. It's critical to rebuild the community itself, including its social fabric. So in the case of Mosul, where uh, the World Bank is uh, one of the largest uh, involved financiers, we have a $750 million uh, project called the Emergency Operation uh, for Development, um, which is carried under emergency procedures. And it is helping the reconstruction in Iraq of uh, the liberated areas, and it has just received an additional financing. Um, that includes, among other things, major investments in Mosul um, and the other uh, liberated areas. So part of this investment will go towards also uh, the uh, cultural heritage and uh, municipal development at the city level, and we expect also uh, to have a partnership with uh, UNESCO um, under this project. Now, the Hadaba Minaret um, and the Nuri Mosque are you know, critical icons for this community, and we're going to be fundamental foundations for uh, the recovery of the identity of the city, for the rebounding of the city. Um, and therefore, UNESCO's expertise in there is really uh, critical to ensure um, that those two monuments not just jumpstart reconstruction of cultural assets, but jumpstart the reconstruction and reconciliation of the city and the rebuilding of its community and the spirit. And after that, there will be major flows of funds also out there and a further deepening of the partnership to help rebuild uh, Mosul and revive uh, the place uh, and its community, not just in Mosul, but also in the other liberated areas uh, in Iraq. You mentioned the role of uh, culture and heritage for identity, resilience, self-esteem, mm -hmm. social cohesion, and all these uh, all these aspects that are indeed critical for building back better, but not only, uh, also uh, returning to a sense of normalcy after a disaster or, uh, or a conflict. Over the past several years, UNESCO has strengthened also its uh, commitment on the skills and jobs creation aspect of culture and the potential of heritage to 
indeed train people, give them livelihood, opportunities. And we estimate that uh, in cultural industries amount to 30 million jobs globally. Um, I would be interested to know more about the World Bank approach uh, on this and if you could uh, uh, expand a little bit uh, what you said earlier in this, uh, in this discussion. So for us, job creation is a critical underpinning to achieve economic growth in cities and in nations and therefore achieve the twin goals of the World Bank, which is uh, eradicating uh, poverty and boosting shared prosperity, which is the uh, share of the bottom 40% of the income distribution. Now, we approach this through our competitive cities framework, and this competitive cities framework basically identifies four levers of policy actions that are critical for city competitiveness. The first is the um, legal and regulatory environment. So it's policies, uh, strategies, uh, legislation and institutions that are needed to create the right uh, business climate for uh, firms to prosper, to grow and to incorporate and jobs to be created in the city. The second is the physical environment. It's access to land, access to infrastructure that are needed to attract investors. The third is the uh, human capital. So the environment for innovation, but also investment in skills of the population. And the fourth is the financial environment. So it's access to finance for uh, firms and enterprises to prosper. So it's by working on all those four levers of policy interventions, you know, the physical, the uh, institutional, the financial and the human capital dimensions that you can create the conditions for job creation. Uh, we approach that at the city level by saying there's a critical role for mayors, but mayors cannot do it all. Mayors will be able to do maybe investments in the physical capital, ensure that the regulations in their city are uh, conducive to attracting investments and maybe contribute towards the investment in the human capital. But there are many dimensions that they need a partnership with the private sector for, and they need a partnership perhaps with other municipalities around them so that they can create an agglomeration between them and contribute to regional economic development. And then they need a strong interface with the national government because there are dimensions like the tax code, uh, like national security, etc., that will be determining whether investment flows into a city or not. So that's the overall framework by which we work on issues of job creation. And so we adapt that framework to the dimension of the creative industries to look at those sectors where we can help develop the uh, jobs in sectors that draw on culture, that you know, uh, bring about you know, the artisanal and creative qualities of the community towards uh, job creation. Um, we also approach uh, this dimension by uh, virtue of our work on sustainable tourism. So how do we ensure not just the development of the tourism industry, but ensuring that the benefits of tourism are sustainable and accrue to the population uh, that lives uh, in those areas. And we finally have some work around the issue of smart cities, which brings about you know, the dimension of technology and how technology underpins uh, the creation of cities that utilize well their resources and that uh, manage well the delivery of services and planning uh, for their population. So we bring together all these instruments to ensure that uh, the creative industries uh, contribute to job creation and become a critical element of uh, city competitiveness and job creation. 
Thank you. And this is also uh, why the complementarity between World Bank and UNESCO uh, works also effectively when UNESCO brings its expertise in the recent report on reshaping uh, cultural policies, for example. In your view, and, and speaking about this uh, partnership that we have, and maybe compared to other partnerships that the World Bank concludes with uh, many other agencies among, uh, among the UN system and, and beyond, in your experience, what are the the key factors of success, I would say, and the key, uh, the key impart important leverage uh, element that we must focus on to make this partnership a long-term uh, uh, success. So for us at the World Bank, and, and again, it comes from the perspective of you know, the main role that we play, which is we are the largest financier among the MDBs in uh, international development. So uh, we do bring the financing and we have the technical expertise. But what is really critical for us is as we work with the specialized UN agencies like UNESCO and others that bring you know, very deep uh, technical expertise that bring you know, strong advocacy and, and development of normative work in these particular areas that we can then be able to have complementarities and synergies on the ground. At the same time, what's critical for us is that we just don't develop, you know, MOUs and, and framework collaborations that are not ground truth on the ground. So it's critical for us to develop real projects on the ground in which we collaborate and we ensure that these projects bring about benefits for our clients, which are, you know, the people that live in those cities and nations that are uh, receiving uh, the type of support and collaboration from uh, the World Bank, UNESCO and the other uh, UN agencies. So to the extent that we can ground truth it into operational work, this is critical. And at the same time that as agencies that lead uh, this uh, particular agenda, that we also help develop a strategic vision in going forward, uncovering new areas of collaboration where we can help our clients advance their objectives of eradicating poverty and uh, boosting shared prosperity for the bottom uh, 40% that's on our side and you know your objectives in the institution uh, related to your sectors whether it's culture science or education thank you very much mr same waba thank you for your contribution and participating in this uh, um, unesco podcast on integrating culture and heritage into reconstruction processes thank you very much mathieu it's a pleasure for me to be here thanks mm -hmm.